Guys, we are fired up to be at the 13th annual Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Festival happening on March 2nd to the 5th at the OC Fair and Event Center in Costa Mesa. Tackle, fishing reports, fishing boats, amazing seminars, everything's going to be at this show. Make sure not to miss this one. Plus, we're going to have a booth for the Doc Talk podcast, recording live podcasts throughout the day, so make sure you stop by. Not to mention, we are giving away a show package at CCA. $60 gets you entry to the show, a tote bag, one-year membership to CCA, and loaded whip with goodies from our sponsors. Be sure to check us out. Check out that show package at ccacalifornia.org. Register today for it or stop by the CCA booth outside the show whenever you go to the show and take advantage. We'll see you guys there. Welcome back to the CCA California podcast. My name is Chris, alongside my good friend Darren Crow. Darren, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Got uh, got a good episode going on today here at Okuma. Yep, we are at Okuma, the headquarters of Okuma in Ontario, California. And uh, sitting alongside of us is our good friend of the podcast, Davey Brown. Davey, welcome back, man. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And alongside him is the head of Honcho, the big boss at Okuma, Doug Lasco. Doug, how are you? Good morning, guys. Glad to be here. Good morning. Good morning. Doug, you are the president of CCA California. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Um, I think that happened earlier this year, I think. And, um, you know, I know for those of us who have been inside the uh, state board meetings at CCA, you've gotten nothing but praise as to the amount of work that you've done since you've taken on that position. Well, it's very much a, a team. You know, it's a team effort. It's we got a lot ahead of us, and it takes a lot of people to be able to make everything work. And there's in that room, the the boardroom, as as well as out in the uh, the chapters down along the coast. There's a lot of really good people that put in a lot of time and effort into CCA, and I really appreciate it. And it's uh, you know you got you got to give back. You got to mm-hmm. give back to the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on that note, what kind of made you, because Okuma is one of the founding sponsors of CCA, as is uh, AFCO and Shimano and Yamaha and all that. What made you want to become more involved with CCA? Well, it was a number of years ago I'd met Bill Shedd, you know, I don't know, probably seven or eight years ago and, and talked to him quite a lot about his uh, being involved. In addition, the national organization that kind of oversees the industry is called the American Sport Fishing Association, and we got involved with that many years ago, and they do a lot of also advocacy for the recreational anglers, and I'm on the uh, government affairs uh, board uh, for the uh, ASA, as, as it's called. And so that really started me getting in more and more involved in the, the advocacy, the um, you know, fishing, um, tr- being able to try to get more people involved, uh, as well as uh, government affairs. And so it was just kind of a natural progression when CCA was started uh, to be able to talk to Bill and, and some of the others that are involved. And, uh, you know, like I said, we have to give back. We have to be able to support the industry. And it's not just for business. It's also for access. It's for the, the next generation. 
Mm-hmm. With the, I mean, there's a whole bunch of crossover between CCA and ASA as, as the two are definitely partners in government affairs and all that stuff. Do you enjoy the government side of, of advocacy, I guess? You know, I do. It took some time. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's another language. You mm-hmm. know, you talk to some of the people who are deep into government affairs and they speak government. And, you know, for a lot of people, they don't speak government. And it, you get frustrated with it because you want to do something and you want to be able to push it through. But in the, but in the end, you know, you don't speak that language. And so you need people who can speak that language. And the ASA and, and the CCA are... You know, they have a very close relationship, and I kind of portray it more as the ASA supports state governments or state organizations, but they don't have state organizations. It takes an organization like CCA, which is primarily coastal. You know, they're trying to get into some of the other uh, regions of the country to support uh, recreational angling. But, you know, this is the state organization, and CCA is a national organization. Their headquarters is out of Texas. But they literally span everything from the East Coast all the way up to, you know, along the, the, the Gulf Coast, up, up uh, California, West Coast to, to Washington. So it's really an advocacy that is really trying to be able to um, put pressure or have our voice uh, heard not only in Washington, but also in state capitals and then also local governments. Nice, nice. Before we get going, I mean, we're going to go down a huge rabbit hole with advocacy stuff and all that. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I know you have a very interesting background and uh, kind of a unique story of how you got to Okuma. Uh, probably unique. I, you know, I don't uh, see how it, how I got here. I actually, uh, my background is I, I was a backpacker many years ago. Uh, I got out of college lived in Washington, D.C. for a while, uh, and I studied Chinese for three years, and I, just for something else to do, something, Mm -hmm. you know, just for educational purposes. And Is that that pretty difficult, to study Chinese? I've never thought of doing that. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, you know, at that time, this Mm -hmm. is in the Mm mid-'80s, you know, there wasn't a lot of people, at least around, that I knew of that was doing it, and it's just something different, and it's... Like anything, if you put enough time into it, you'll learn it. Uh, you know, I see all you guys tie knots. I'm probably not anywhere close to what you guys do on tie knots. I mean, it's a that's another language too. But you know, it it was just something that was kind of interesting. That I met a lot of people, international people, and it was uh, it was it interested me. So anyway, I started. I, I left that job and I decided I just wanted to go backpack. So I backpacked around the world for six months by myself and uh, learned a lot about myself. Uh, but I also enjoyed the, the time and the experience. And so I ended up uh, moving overseas to Taiwan, and I taught English. Uh, I was, it was a volunteer program through the YMCA. I worked there for a couple of years. And at that point, they were setting up business English classes, and Akuma sent it at the time a fax. You know, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't send in an email. They sent out a, mm-hmm. a fax. And I went out. And uh, interviewed and got the job and did that for a while. Uh, And then they asked me to join the sales department. And so I did. And our VP of sales, Sam Brenner, uh, also uh, worked in in Taiwan for a year. Mm -hmm. He came back and started the U.S. company. This is 1995. And I started 
uh, working in Akuma more for international sales and, and more or less product um, kind of organizational sales, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I lived there for five years. And I got married, uh, had a daughter, and, and then we we moved back to the States and just at the end of 99. So I've been, I've been back here for 23 years working in the office here. Uh, and it's been fun. I mean, there's a lot of really good people at work here. I've got to to meet a lot of good people, got to travel a lot of different interesting places. So it, it's been a good ride. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Did you ever think you'd ever come back to the States for, for so long? Or was that always the goal? Or did you want to kind of stay over there? Uh, yeah, I really, I, I still enjoy traveling. I still enjoy going to Taiwan. It, it, mm-hmm. You know, there, I have a lot of, you know, family. My wife has family and friends, and I have friends there. But of course, you know, we wanted to move back. And, and we have, now I have three daughters, and they're getting, they're mostly out of school. And so mm-hmm. now we have our opportunity that we can travel a little bit more. But no, we, we knew we'd come back. And, and I, I've spent my career at Akuma, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we've always said when you're on an airplane, you, know, you could be selling sprinkler systems. We're happy <laughs> to be able to be lucky enough to sell fishing tackle. And, and that allots us a lot of uh, opportunities to go see some really interesting places and fish in some awesome areas and get out in the, out in the <clears throat> wild wilderness and, and have fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's, that's the great part about the, the, uh, the industry uh, outside of just the business side. Well, speaking of fun, Davey Brown, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate you coming back as always. I know you've you've been on a couple times and all that stuff, but tell us a little bit about, about what you do. I know you're on the marketing side and uh, you get to travel a lot yourself. I get out on occasion. I am on the marketing team. I started my career at Okuma in 2007, so I'm coming up on 16 years already. So long uh, ago. You know, I've, I've heard, and I don't know if it's true or not, but Doug had said it's probably the 16 best years of his life. Um, <laughs> his wife wouldn't say that. But <laughs> I, would, I would probably say that. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's been great. I started on the sales team here. I had uh, all of Canada. I had the West Coast. I had the Taylor States. Uh, you know, we used to get... Uh, out and travel quite a bit on the sales side, on the marketing side, which is about half of my career. So coming up on about eight years on the marketing side, still a lot of travel, but it's a lot more of the trade shows, um, getting out with our captains and guides around the country, meeting a lot of great people and fishing in some great places. So not so great places too, but uh, you know, a lot of great places out there. Yeah. Doug, do you ever make it out to any of the trade shows? I mean, I know we have quite a bit here on the West Coast and all that stuff, but did do you get to go out to the shows at all or anything? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, I don't get out as much as a lot of the uh, the sales and marketing people, but of course I get to some trade shows. Meaning trade shows, there are there's distributor shows, there's the national ICAST show, there's mm-hmm. also a lot of consumer shows. Like you know, the good to see the Bart Hall shows coming back this this mm-hmm. next year, and and the consumer shows are always very interesting. You know, you see you know the passion that's in the industry uh and it's changed a lot over the years i mean but yes i do get out and, and being able to get out and see dealers and that type of thing too is also always a, a, a good time yeah 2023 is going to be a busy year i'm sure for you guys as as is cca as well i think we're going to six different shows here on the west coast which is absolutely crazy i'm sure you guys will be there too yeah, we will be. <laughs> we will be at all those and, and more and, and others. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think we end up doing, I, I don't know, I can't remember the exact number, but something around the lines of 50, 60 different shows across the country. Wow. And I think I remember you telling me that Davy Brown has to man every single hour of every sh- single show, right? Feels like it. Well, <laughs> let's put it this way. He has to send a photo in to make sure that we know that he's there, that he shows up. <laughs> he, and it's surprising how much the backdrops all look alike wherever he goes. You should see my green screen uh, skills. Yeah. It's pretty solid. <laughs> green screen skills. <laughs> Now, but the I shows like this it. year are going to kick off in January, and then uh, mm-hmm. we're just right along the way. That's consumer shows. We've got some distributor shows that are happening right away. So the sales team's out, the marketing team's mm-hmm. out. Then we get into our local shows in that uh, February, March time frame, which is good, too. As a manufacturer, are you glad to see the shows coming back around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what gets people jazzed. That's what gets gets people, you know, their juices going. You know, a lot of, a lot of places around the country, it's, you know, it's cold. I mean, you, we think it's cold here, but... You know, when they've got snow <laughs> up to their wazoo and everything, and they're like, I got to go somewhere, I got to do something, and they're passionate about outdoors and fishing and boating, they're going to go to a show. And mm-hmm. some shows can be seven days long. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so that that's uh, that's where we want to be. That's what we want to do. And for not being able to do it for two and a half years, you know, it, it was tough getting back on airplanes. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we spent – you know, a good portion of our lives on airplanes, but it's nice to be able to go out and, and, and get involved again and see people again. You know, for us locally here, it's, it's great. We've got John Bretza downstairs, who's the product development manager, and he'll stand in the booth at, say, the Long Beach show with me. And that's our opportunity to mix it up with the anglers out here locally. So we get the feedback on what they're looking for, what they want in a rod or what they want in a reel. And you know, we're a fairly small company. We can react, you know, somewhat quickly. So like when that Komodo came out, we knew we needed something that's going to be the ultimate saltwater bait cast reel. We came out with the three sizes, multiple speeds, and that's all from sitting at those shows and getting the feedback from those local hardcore anglers. Nice. With us uh, quickly approaching Christmas here and all that, any tips on stocking stuffers or anything like that? Things that uh, customers need, need to grab their hands on? Lots of fish lab, a whole bunch of fish lab baits. Really? Well, and not just that. I mean, we've already delivered a lot of uh, one of the more popular uh, products for Fish Lab is the roller bags. And so, you know, a lot of local retailers, you'll walk into local retailers and they'll have them stocked up and Mm -hmm. really good quality, you know, fit the local angling community really well. And uh, yeah, so that 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 one for us, I think, has been a pretty big hit. Nice, nice. And to recap, you have obviously Okuma, you have Fish Lab and you also have Soft Steel, right? Correct. Nice. Very cool. How's everything going and all that stuff? And looking forward to a good 2023, I'm, I'm assuming? Yeah, 2023, uh, we, first off, yes, we've had a really good uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're all looking forward to 2023. I think it's going to be, it's going to have its different cha- challenges. Whereas coming out of 2021, we looked at 2022 and we were like, okay, it's, business is still like just incredible. It's it's really going going off the hook as as you'd say. But going into twenty twenty two, everybody knows there's a lot of inventory out there. People are a little bit more worried about the economy. But you know we increased the number of anglers across the country uh, by a lot. I, I can't remember the exact number, but it's something like ten million anglers. And so being able to maintain some of that and being able to to uh, continue to grow is is what we're looking for and we we are looking forward to a a strong 23 
but it's going to have its own set of, of different challenges. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of inventory and all that stuff, I, I'm guessing that you guys are pretty well stocked nowadays and all that compared to maybe a year ago or even two years ago during the pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, I think that we're, at least here out on the West Coast, uh, with the bluefin fishery happening, you know, the Makairas have been uh, a hot seller <laughs> for us. And also our PCH rail rods have been really, really uh, tough to keep in stock. But with getting, you know, together with some of the retailers and talking to a lot of the, the locals, you know, we've been really ramping up the production on them. And so, yeah, we're going into 2023 with some good inventory of that stuff. We look forward to the bluefin. It's a lot of fun. We got, we all, I think we all got to go out this year and do a little bit of it. So it was, it was good. Yeah. I mean, maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago, I mean, I was, I was hitting Davy up and all that stuff. And I don't think... I, I could even, even if I wanted to and wanted to pay overpriced and all that stuff, I don't think I could even get a, my hands on a Well, he never told me you'd pay overpriced because uh, <laughs> always <laughs> finds them somewhere. Dave could clean out his garage for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it doesn't have a box, but, you know, I, I, can, I can hook you up for an extra 50 bucks. <laughs> it's, you know, it's pretty crazy. We've talked about it before, but, you know, two years ago, you can walk out to the warehouse, which is behind where you're sitting there, Chris, and sit your back against one of the walls and look all the way across the warehouse and see the other wall, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was so empty with product, but now if you look out there, we're floor-to-ceiling, wall-to-wall with product. Well-stocked. Yeah, we're well-stocked. You know, retailers send in their orders, and we're able to ship pretty much immediately and fill all their orders. It's great. Nice, nice. And that's ultimately good for business, too, because nowadays with the days of Amazon and all that stuff, people want things, like, really quick in their hand. Right, yeah, no, Absolutely. Excellent. Well, let's get back a little bit into CCA. I know 2023, it's going to be a big year for us. Tell us why. Well, one of the things that we're facing in California that other parts of the country are not is a, a proposition or a, we call it 30 by 30. And 30 by 30 is basically an international kind of initiative to um, protect or conserve 30% of both uh, water and land by 20, 2030. And, and there's a lot of ways that you can take it. You know, different parts of the world will be affected differently. But in the United States, you know, we've, the U.S. Has, has also latched onto this. And on a federal level, what, what the takeaway is of, of, of preserving or conserving uh, 30% of the land and, and water is that, well, that we're doing a good job. In fact, they call it the, the America the Beautiful uh, Act. And they've already pretty much said we were doing it. And on the state levels, uh, they're pretty much saying the same thing. And they're, and they're actually taking it and embracing it as uh, solidifying or um, really pushing access for outdoors. So hiking, fishing, you know, those types of things. Unfortunately, California is not. California is taking the approach of, at least in our opinion, is continuing to close fishing areas. And we've been, we've approached them. We've approached, this is through an executive order from the governor. It was put out about, I guess, about a year or so ago, maybe two years ago. Anyway, so he's, we have a panel and we've been told by this panel that we would be able to have a seat at the table. So far, we're, we haven't. And so the, the end result is 
is that we have been sitting and listening, and the the reality is that it's it's becoming more and more apparent that they are looking to close more of our fishing grounds. So more states are actually trying to do the opposite, in which provide more access to recreate, as opposed to California exactly. that is trying to do the opposite. Exactly. And as far as I know, every state. There's mm-hmm. not an exception. Every state, except California. Some states probably haven't... Uh, haven't taken it up because they feel like they don't need to because they already have well-established, you know, understanding that fishing and hunting and hiking and outdoors is a right. Is that just kind of like a difference in way of life or whatnot or a different mentality? You know, I think it just comes down to government. It comes Mm -hmm. down to the fact that, you know, what was it, 10, 15 years ago, the MLPA process in California, which I think a lot of the people listening to this should be able to remember. And for those of you that don't, it's a marine protected area. And so the state came in and said, you know, for whatever reason that wasn't really based on on science, it was in order for us to protect or grow the fishing uh, stocks, we need to shut down 16% of state waters, which they did. And we fought, we pushed. I think, you know, you remember United Anglers, ASA got involved, others got involved, and we lost. So right now, if you take a look at 30 by 30, that gives them 14% more. So our fear is if we don't have a seat at the table, if we don't have a voice, if we can't get to to the government, that we could potentially lose another double digits. Additionally, some of the things that they're coming out and telling us is that they're not even considering, you know, national marine sanctuary areas that that are in state waters, and there there is protection. I mean, everybody understands. You know, we have slot limits, we have you know size limits, we have seasons, we have you know a lot of areas. We have some tribal areas that are not you know you, you can you can fish, but it's also protected. And then on the other side of their, of, their, of their argument, they're also pushing for uh, diversity, access, uh, under, underserved communities. And in our opinion, in many of ours' opinion, fishing, people in fishing, a- recreational anglers, they already are supporting those areas. We're, we have organizations within CCA and within the state of California, like Friends of Rollo and some of the others, that they go into communities and they take underprivileged kids. They give access to underserved communities. And if you further shut down a third of our waters, it's going to really limit that access. And so, I want you can't, in our opinion, you can't have it both ways. You can't say we need to shut it down, but on the other side, we want to be able to give access. Mm-hmm. We want to give access. We feel it's it's a it's a right. We feel that we are the the ones that are actually conserving um, people at CCA. You know, you guys here. You know, mm-hmm. you put time in down at the beaches cleaning them up. You know, you put time in going down and teaching kids how to fish. That's what we want to be able to push, and that's what we can't get that point across. We can't get that information out, and that's what's frustrating for us. One number that, that I hear more often than not is, so there's 16%, that's the MPA network that um, accounts for uh, the coastline for the protected areas, so that you have your 16%, they need to get to another 14%. But the, of that 16%, actually, basically, um, a, a, what's the word? 
basically comes across as 50% of the fishable waters here in California. Right. Could you imagine losing another 14%? I mean, that pretty much shuts down fishing along the coast in California. Right. And that's a that's another percentage. I mean, the one percentage is 30%. Yeah. Okay, that's a third. And then of of that 16%, 50% are the, like the the spots, right? right. Like where you want to go. And there's no there's no science that this has been shut down now. I think it's been more than 10 years. Yeah. It's like almost 15 years. And they're in the process right now of reviewing the the outcome. Mm-hmm. The Decatur Review right. comes out here in a, in a month or so. Right. And so what our hope is, is that, you know, they, they understand that there needs to be some changes or some, you know, some adjustments, adjustments to that whole process. Uh the the on the the potential slight glimmer of hope is that we are starting to hear because we're starting to make some noise. We are starting to hear that maybe they will start discussing adding in some of the marine sanctuary stuff on a national level that's within state waters. But still, our goal is zero additional closures. Uh, but we have to have our voices. We have to have people work with us. We have to have people. If they know somebody in government, if they, you know, can work with us, join us, this is what we're looking for. Uh, you know, we want to get the word out to the, I think it's, you know, a million anglers in, in California that this is coming. It's MLPA 2. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do we change the narrative that we weren't able to do the first time around? Well, that kind of brings up a point where... Um you know, when it comes to all of the closures and we brought up the access point where we're doing a lot of all these good things where whether it's taking out the underprivileged kids or taking kids out in general and all that, trying to grow um, our sport and also to, to try and get people to recreate in California and all that. By implementing this deal, that kind of eliminates that whole process. And we start from square run where we're not even allowed to do those kind of good things, too. And over the years, as an industry, we really have never really taken credit until now of doing all that stuff, but we've been doing it for 20 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd say more than 20 years. Yeah, longer I, than I that. I mean, there's 20 years that you can remember. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah that's true. <laughs> but, you know, there are people in the industry and people that have businesses. I mean, you think about just last year, you know, we gave, uh, well, a year and a half ago, we gave an award to a, a man named Don Hansen. Don Hansen started... Dana Wharf sport fishing, and he you know, is the whale watching capital of the world. It's also, you know, they have a lot of the the they have some of the fleet down there for some you know overnights, three quarter days, you know, really great mm-hmm. family run business. That was his vision. You know, it was showing people the environment, showing people you know the fishery, and you know the the fishing part of it they have a kids program that does nothing but teach kids and those all those people it's all volunteer and so by by being so short-sighted as to not being able to to engage the people who use the resource that's the frustrating part all we want to be able to have is a say or a seat at the table to be able to explain and show and and help people understand how we are helping underserved communities and or even just kids. You know, you've heard for years, 
kids are on their iPads, kids are on their iPhones, kids sit inside, play you know, video games, and then COVID happens. Okay, everybody go outside. Okay, so everybody went outside. And then mm-hmm. it was, let's go fishing, let's go do whatever. Let's go hiking. Okay, so now we've gotten that attention. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to shut it off? Or are mm-hmm. you going to embrace it and try to be able to be, you know, like encouraging? And right now, that's, that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, even in COVID, there was a huge influx in anglers uh, and all that. And I'm sure you probably saw that on the, at least from a manu- manufacturer's perspective, where everyone was trying to go out and fish and try something new and all that. And it seems like a lot of those anglers have stuck too. Right. And that's the, that's the key. And like I said earlier, you know, from a business point of view, yeah, it was awesome. We all benefit, benefited from it. But from just, you know, we're all, we're all dads. I mean, mm-hmm. you are, you will be soon, <laughs> you know, probably. But I mean, you know, my point is, is uh, we want to get kids outside. You know, we want, we want to teach people the next generation, mm-hmm. you know, how to go, how to go outside, how to tie a knot, how to cast a, you know, a reel, how to pin a bait on, you know, here at Akuma, probably close to 15 years ago, uh, we started uh, taking kids out on a three quarter day boat out of Dana Wharf, out of Dana Point. And so we, we would, uh, it was all of our employees and any kid, it could be a neighbor, could be, you know, son, daughter, you know, whatever it might be. And we would load up probably 40 people on a boat, 40, 50 people on a boat. And it was really interesting to see the kids who got on the boat the first time that they were five years old. You know, okay, got to teach them how to do everything. All right. And then as the years progressed, it was great to see kids get on the boat. They got their rod and reel. They put it in the holder. You know, we're we're going out. They know they got to go get their burrito because it's, you know, free food. (laughs) And so then they, when we make our first stop, hey, they go get their rod and reel. They pin on a bait and they cast it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's whole generation. And that's that's what we want to be able to embrace. Isn't that so rewarding too? Yeah. Teaching a kid how to fish and seeing the excitement and all that. Right. That's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. When, you know, we, we had mentioned the 16% for the MPAs and all that stuff. When you add in, and this is kind of what, you know, the main point is, they're not counting any of the National Marine Sanctuaries or any of the other protected areas along the coastline and all that when you add all those all those other opportunities out i'm guessing we probably get above 30 percent and and reach that goal yeah i'd say easily uh and that is just areas where there are regulations that are above and beyond the size limits the seasons you know and that mm-hmm. type of thing this is areas where you know fishing is allowed but a lot of other things are not you know, mm-hmm. commercial fishing, for example, may not be, or other types of, uh, you know, kind of somewhat destructive um, activities, activities, whatever. And so, yes, we've already somewhat done the math, and it would be over thirty percent. So we're, we're, and that's just for the protected areas. Like I said, that's not. That's I feel my, personally that the thirty by thirty is more meant for parts of the world where there's a lot of pollution. You know, mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of, uh, you know, kill-offs for fish and things of that nature. Uh, in California, we don't have that. We're one of the most regulated fisheries in the entire world, not just the United States, in the entire world. So we feel like we've played by the rules. As the most regulated state in, in the world, um, we have a really good 
um, let's call it a management system in the Fish and Game Commission and PFMC and all that stuff, which, you know, if you look at the just recently with the sheephead deal with last year, where we kind of self-policed and all that and look at the sheephead stock now with the coppers and callbacks from this year and everything. And we kind of it wasn't mandatory to release your one, but a lot of the anglers participated in that, too, where we're kind of showing these people these these um these management sectors at PFMC, Fish and Game Commission, et cetera, that we can, we do conserve when we, when, when uh, given the opportunity to. Right. Absolutely. And, and that was a big discussion in some of our, uh, some of our meetings and at the chapter levels and, and at some of the other clubs was how do we self-regulate? And there were landings that said, yes, our fleet is self-regulating. We are instructing them. If 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 you catch these kind of fish, you got to let them go. Uh, but even addition, even further than that, you know, the white sea bass population. Mm-hmm. Uh, anglers are paying money on their tags to be able to support the white sea bass uh, grow out pens. And I recently took a tour of the the white sea bass uh, hatchery. And it's impressive. And you know, for for a long time, the science was saying that you know there's tags in all the fish. They tag all the fish and release them. And and you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but you know, when they would start looking at the at when the fish would come back and they they'd get heads, I think they said something like less than one percent were hatchery fish. And so you know, it, it doesn't really help not that big of a deal. We don't need to release the money to be able to support this, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there was a scientist who decided to look at genetics because there was a feeling that the, that the, um, that the inserts were, were falling out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyway, the scientists did a DNA study and I think they came back and they came back with almost 30% yep. that the DNA of the, of the heads that were brought in Thirty percent were hatchery fish, and so the point is, is you know, here's science. Science is telling you science this program, play. yeah, this program's working. You know, and it was really interesting when I went through the hatchery where they, um, where they were there. A man who's actually given his life to his name's Don Kent. He's fantastic, really an awesome person to be able to put all of his time and effort and career into this. But he. He did gave us a little tour of the area, and he showed us some photos of like all the white sea bass that would go out and spawn up by Catalina, and it was it was black, like the water was black. And he's like, "Okay, we knew that we, you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, we we knew that the population was was down, like mm-hmm. it was being decimated. And so, what could we do as a as a group, as an organization? And this is what they, what they fought for. They fought for the hatchery, and it's worked." You know, and so it's going to continue to work, but it also needs funding and support, and that's another area that the that people within the government and fishing game, I think, is starting to come around to it now. Mm-hmm. But they need to understand that you know this is us trying to be conservationists as well. We recognize, yeah. you know, there's issues that we recognize that we have to take care of. You know, we're fighting to get gill nets out of the water. Uh, we're fighting, you know, for alternative gear to be able to help reduce bycatch. The deep set bu- uh, buoy gear from a couple of years ago. Exactly. So there's there's definitely things that we're doing uh, on the conservation side that we recognize. And that's part of that whole self-policing kind of a thing as mm-hmm. well. Speaking of conservation, Davey, I know uh, you're a bass fisherman, huge bass guy. Um, 
years ago when they implemented the uh, 14 inch reg for the calico bass, but uh, going from 14 inch from 12 inch and all that. As an angler yourself back then and up till now, good or bad for the species? And what are your thoughts on that? I think it's been good for the species. You know, it's 14 inch on all three of our local bass, sand bass, spotted bay bass, and calico bass. But, uh, you know, it seems like it's helped. Um, I wouldn't say you're going to catch a lot more big fish, but it seems like that saltwater bass angler is the type of angler that is going to put your fish back anyway. There's a lot of CPR happening, catch photo release within that saltwater bass market. If you jump on some of the sport boats, you're still going to see some folks that are keeping bass, but there's a lot of those juvenile fish that are going back in the water, and it seems like the populations have really started to rebound. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that was really kind of a, a prime example of a of a decent change where maybe it wasn't all that exciting back then, but now we're kind of seeing the, the reward on that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and things like that were... Um, you know, Doug, you'd mentioned the white sea bass program, which CCA is obviously involved on that one too, where, you know, organizations like ours and working with hub SeaWorld research Institute and all that stuff, we're doing good things for good species and all that. And, you know, hopefully we're implementing a good program through the ORHAB program for the white sea bass program, hopefully to expand that to other species too. Right. And I think that they've already, uh, kind of settled on halibut as mm -hmm. being the next potential. And so... I guess one of the takeaways from this and doing this podcast and talking with you guys, and you guys have done a great job being able to get, you know, the messaging out is CCA is trying to be the voice of anglers in California. And w without it, we're, our backs are against the wall. And there are good things that are happening. And CCA is absolutely involved at the grassroots level. And so... If you enjoy fishing, if you enjoy, you know, the, the, the ocean going out on your boats and all that type of thing, if you want to get other you know, kids and next generations involved, support CCA. I mean, support your local fishing club. A lot of those local fishing clubs are also supporting CCA um, because, you know, that's where it's all at. That's where it's mm -hmm. at. I mean, that's, that's what we're all here for, right? And so, you know, you guys getting the message out is – is critical. And, it, and I really appreciate the fact that you're, you're putting in the time and energy to be able to develop this and be able to get it out there. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you're the president of CCA on the uh, executive committee and all that. Uh, you both are state board members as well. So as the state board goes down, you know, all, all that, the government relations committee has their role. The state board has their role. The local chapters have their role as well. Tell us what, you know, as we are in December of 22 and all that, getting ready for next year, what can we do or start, start to do right now gearing up for the 30 by 30 fight? Definitely come out and support your local chapter. You know, we're out here in the Inland Empire where Okuma's based. It's a landlocked chapter, as is uh, Kern County up north of us there. But, uh, you know, everybody that lives out here still fishes, whether it's freshwater or saltwater. But this 30 by 30 happens to be a saltwater-focused ban at this point. But there's no stopping the government. You never know what they're going to do. Are they going to come out and start closing some of the freshwater areas? You know, we don't need to get into too much of that here, but come out and local, you know, come out and support those local chapters. Out here we have our meeting every month or so on the Inland Empire side. Come out and support, head over to the Inland Empire CCA Facebook page, uh, join that, find out what events are happening. We'll do some stuff at the local Bass Pro Shop. We've done some stuff over here at the uh, Saltwater um, 
Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, you know, we have several events that come up throughout the year. That Facebook page, as well as the CCA california.org website has all the different events that are coming up if you don't live in the inland empire check out one of the other local chapters as well but get out and support join the groups you know we're always looking for board members to help there's lots of fundraisers lots of great ways you can come out and support uh, you know not only your your uh, annual membership which i think is going to be 40 dollars for 2023 but you can do a lifetime membership which i think at okuma here we now have i want to say 13 lifetime members which is awesome thank you doug yep <laughs> and uh, you know you guys are leading the pack yeah there's lots of fundraising opportunities as well as a a monthly opportunity that chris can talk about where it'll it'll hit your credit card monthly you don't even notice it and you're out there supporting cca yeah i mean with with so many different ways and all that. Really, the best ways are to a participate in our events. And Davey and Doug, you guys have been to plenty of our events. They're they're pretty fun, right? Absolutely, they're all good gatherings and all that. We always try to have fun, but also, you know, even with with Davey, you kind of touched on it. The contribute to conservation program, where I mean, we we get your credit card for ten bucks a month, less than a Netflix subscription nowadays, and all that stuff. And that really does make a difference. It really does help in uh, in this thirty by thirty deal. Right, and and that's just one way. And we will be at the shows, you know. So the upcoming uh, PCS show the, in the Orange County, as well as the Bart Hall shows, and and I know that you go to a lot of the the I, <laughs> I, ISC shows up in Sacramento area, and uh, that's going to be Wayne. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there's there's a, anyway. We're going to be at a lot of the shows. You're going to see CCA. Go up and talk to us. You know, get to know some of the people. A lot of them come from the local chapters. Uh, we're going to be in a lot of the retailers. We do a lot of the day at the docks type of stuff and just get educated. You know, just come up mm-hmm. and, and talk and, and join some of the, the things. And like, you know, the banquets typically what we have eight, eight chapters now. Yep. Each chapter will have a banquet every year. That's a time to be able to come together and be able to talk to, you know, people within the industry, people within the the clubs and that type of thing and and get some further uh, understanding, but also have just a good time. You know, some of them are apps and taps, you know, so, mm-hmm. so get drink a couple beers and and see what's going on. And and, uh, and and so, yeah, they're fun. I mean, we have a couple of golf outings, I think, this coming Heck, there year. there's even a cornhole tournament this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then even besides that, there's some fishing opportunities. So there's there's uh, coastal socials that you guys do, and there's some battle of the boats or you know, charters. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Uh, and, uh, again, there's a lot of people putting time and effort into it, so it's good. Yeah, and you know, speaking of charters and all that, Okuma's been a sponsor to, on a number of them, and, and you guys have done a tremendous amount of work sponsoring us and sponsoring us doing um, things like vets trips and kids trips and all that stuff. And Davey, you've been a huge part of that too. Yeah, don't tell Doug how much I've been donating to you guys. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll you know, you mentioned the vets, and I will mm-hmm. tell you that that is something that I think CCA and even here at Okuma is also you know, so very supportive and a whole nother part of this uh, effort. You know, it's underserved communities, it's uh, access, but, you know, a lot of our vets need need help. A lot of our vets, like, they want to go out on the water. They need access to the water, and we mm-hmm. need to give them the ability to go out on the water, and we support that, and CCA supports that very much, and that's huge to a lot of our membership. We have a lot of ex-military or military we have first responders you know there's a lot of people that uh, benefit from being able to go out and spend a day on the water well speaking of first responders and all that you guys have a very unique program for i think firefighters and police right 
Yeah, you know, and I, I would hope that it, it's not unique. It shouldn't be unique. I mean, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, first responders will come in here. You know, sometimes you'll see a fire truck out front and it's, has nothing to do with a the fire. They're, they're <laughs> getting their Macaras to be able to go out on the water. But, yeah, we support uh, police and firemen across the country, military, you know, any veteran. Uh, we do give a discount uh, to those people because we want to thank them. Mm-hmm. And you guys, I think not this year, but last year, um, you had a unique deal where if you or if a fire station bought a table at a banquet, you guys would buy them another table and all that stuff, too. Yeah, the problem was is that we did it during fire season, and so yeah. when, the, <laughs> when the banquet came up, a lot of them were out on a call. But yeah, uh, again, that's just another way of saying thank you, and that's another part of our banquets and things of that nature that you know we need to find ways to give back and say thanks. Yeah, and you know things like that where you know the firefighter discount and the taking kids fishing and a whole number of good things that stem from fishing and all that. That all would suffer under this 30 by 30 deal the way that they want to kind of ram ram this through here. Right. Like you said earlier, it's not just 30%. Right now we're at 50% of our of our spots. Yeah. And if you take away another 50% of our spots, we don't have spots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it all suffers. Right. And so what's gonna happen is that, you know, the fishing's not gonna be as fun. You're not gonna be teaching kids to catch. You know, mm-hmm. you're gonna be teaching them to, you know go out on a boat and eat burritos. Yeah. And that's not what we want. <laughs> that's know? true. That's not what we want. We want to teach, you know, access, fishing, have fun. Yeah. Well, before we get out of here and all that, we really haven't really talked too much fishing. But, Doug, I have to know, what if you get to go out on a boat or anywhere in the world, what is your favorite kind of fishing? Ooh, now, if you would have asked me that, if you were to ask me that six months ago or eight months ago, I might have given you a different answer because <laughs> you know, I, I get to go to some pretty special places to go fishing. And mm-hmm. Louisiana is always up there. I go to South America quite often and get to fish, uh, you know, trout and their Dorado down in Argentina. But this year was pretty special with the Southern California fishery. And, you know, the guys that stoked on fishing took me out a couple times this year. And we went blue finning and... We got into a bunch of bluefin, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, the sashimi was awesome, and mm. you know, just the experience of going out on the boat. And then you know, with the Dorado fishing, it was pretty phenomenal. And, and we actually went down to Mexico to in the Sea of Cortez, and uh, the people out down at Buena Vista uh, showed us an awesome time. And we went out and got into a Dorado bite that was phenomenal. My wife came down for a couple days, and she doesn't get to do a whole lot of fishing, and Mm-hmm. She was catching the Dorado. And, you know, nice. it, was, it was awesome. It was a pretty special summer. So that Sounds was, like a great time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, you know, you know, it's it, we weren't promoting anything. Yeah. I mean, Dave's a self promoter at times. <laughs> you know, so I mean, he did, that that was just an example of it. I mean, we went south of the border. I mean, we went out of territory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, uh, Davy Brown! I'm guessing bass fishing is your is your go to. You know, I love that Southern California saltwater fishing. I, you know, I I love the tuna fishing as well. I jump on as many boats as possible, but I'm an avid kayak angler. That's you know that's kind of how I started at Okuma. I was part of the old original kayak team with Rick Hawthorne and uh, a couple of the other guys. But I I love that. If you can give me some kayak water, probably my favorite place and the most unique experience I've had was down at Cedros Island uh, on the kayak trip. 
Uh, I was out there with Jeff, and uh, we had a couple other guys from Texas who wanted to go chase yellowtail. So those two guys, the three guys, went off on their own and looking for yellowtail. And Jeff and I were on the Hobie kayaks, and we actually pulled up our, uh, you know, we pulled up our, what do you call them? Pulled up the pedals. Yeah, we pulled up the pedals, <laughs> and he and I did a, a drift across the kelp. It was we were potholing for these giant calico bass and just letting the wind push us across. And he and I looked at each other and we said, "God, these guys have no idea what an incredible, special experience this is." Just doing this, and it was just dropping an artificial bait down through the kelp and just hooking up these giant calico bass and just drifting along. It was such a cool experience. And then getting back up and you're up in that little fish camp village and you know, buying some cool, unique little souvenirs from these guys. And these guys are bringing you food and it was just neat. I mean, that's just a cool experience and something that you don't get to do often. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, how about you guys? Come on. I mean, Oh Darren, man. Yeah. I, uh, you know, Dave brought up uh, Cedar Asylum. That's gotta be uh, a top one on my list too. Like he said, the Calico bass over there is just phenomenal. It's awesome. I've never had that trip. So next time Dave goes, he's not going to go. I'm going to take that trip. Dang. <laughs> you can probably go with hey, bubblegum and milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fun. It's uh, it's a good one. I like it. Yeah, Cedros is definitely memorable. I think that's definitely on top. Um, this past year we went down to La Paz yeah. with um, Jonathan Rolden um, with Tailhunter Sport Fishing. That's a good time and all that. We ran into a couple big mahi on, on that trip and um, some pargo and cabrilla. Um, but I will say probably most memorable, at least for this year, was down uh, almost less than a month ago on my honeymoon. Went down to Costa Rica. Um, we, That's it. Yeah. Game's over. Yeah. No more fishing for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We went fishing one day. We caught 12 big mahi uh, north of like 25 pounds each, and um, it was fun. It was really fun. Uh, and this was like mid-November, Thanksgiving week, basically. And it was it was unbelievable. Unfortunately, in probably like you know five, six, seven years, you're going to be doing a podcast for either softball or baseball. So just get ready. <laughs> <laughs> fishing. No such thing as fishing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Chris brought up La Paz. You know, we decided we put a group together. We're, uh, we went to Cedros. We went to La Paz. We're supposed to go to Bay of L.A. this year. Um, for me, it's the whole destination thing is awesome. You get to knock off species off your list. So we went to La Paz and caught a bunch of Dorado, not knowing what's going on up here. We come back and get on a boat two weeks later and <laughs> catch more Dorado. Right. right. You know, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal everywhere. this year. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Any uh, any bucket list species or any bucket list trips that uh, that are on your list? I up? actually got a Wahoo this year. Really? Uh, yeah, down, in, down in, at Buena Vista. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that, I had never caught a Wahoo. And then I was... Uh, I'm still kicking myself. Uh, I said, "Yeah, we'll have that for dinner," mm. and I didn't take it. I didn't take it home. Oh and, no! Yeah, and I'm still kicking myself. <laughs> I should have had. I should have had a box made up and sent back. But wow, it was oh, good, man. Yeah. Well, that, that means you got to go back. That's what. That's what. Actually, that's what my wife said. There's, you know, there's only one place my wife said I should always go back every year, and that was Alaska. Oh, okay. That's on my bucket list. Yeah, and that was that was a pretty special trip too. I did like a mothership trip a mm. number of years ago, where you're parking fjords and taking little skiffs out and fishing for halibut. Not, not you know, it was coho season. You know, there was you know, did you get halibut? Varieties. Oh yeah, yeah. How big? No big barn doors, but no, probably um, hundred, hundred fifty. <laughs> No big, no, no, hey, no, no, no 300. <laughs> That's but, not big. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, a lot of lingcod, a lot of, you know, 
it, it was fun. It was a really fun trip. Yeah. Well, here's an off-the-wall question. Compared to Alaska with California and their regulations, you had mentioned a slot limit and everything like that, drastic differences, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting about Alaska because I can't remember the percentage, but there is a ginormous amount of government land up in Alaska. And so there also there's also a lot of, um, you know, it's the – it's the uh, commercial fishing capital of the world, or mm-hmm. you know, at least the United States. So there's a lot more regulations now. Uh, but I think also for a somewhat good reason. I mean, there's the salmon fisheries have been suffering a little bit. There's still some phenomenal, awesome fishing up there. You know, I think halibut now is one, one per day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of regulations up there. I think I would say that the entire West Coast – whether you're looking at Washington, Oregon. I mean, Oregon and Washington are crazy. I, mean, I don't know if you guys have gone up there and fish, but no. you catch a fish. I mean, it's almost like hooping down here. You got to pull your reg out. You got to write down, you know, everything. Oh, the uh, report cards. Right. Yeah. And, and mail them in, which, you know, that's fine. If, if, that, if that's what you have to do, that's what you got to do. But there's a lot of regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's, contrasting that to California, we have our battles. Some of it's based on water, uh, some of it's based on. You know, need, mm-hmm. but overall, I think, uh, you know, we just want to strike a balance. Yep. Yep. For sure. Davey, bucket list trip. You know, I don't know if I've got one, an actual. You've done it all. I, I, I have just had got the back from there. ice fishing last year. That was, yeah, that was <laughs> a bucket fish. Ice fishing actually was not on my list to go do, but once I did it, it was amazing experience for big lake trout. I'd love to go do that again. Um, I'd actually like to go fish like the canal up in the northeast for some of the big striped bass. I think mm-hmm. that would be fun from shore. Um, I don't think it's the most exciting fishery, but with the opportunity to get a big striped bass from shore, I think it would be a lot of fun. Nice. We can talk kayak fishing all day long, but I know you've been doing a little bit of freshwater too, right? Yeah, I, I have. Um, you know, the opportunity, you know, and it's it's a big 30 by 30 issue too, is on the kayak, you know, there's such, so many areas that are now closed down that you have to paddle or pedal very far to get to those fishing grounds, especially as a, as a kayak fisherman. So I've been doing quite a bit of freshwater lately. You know, we've got some great lakes here in the Inland Empire, Silverwood, Paris has always been good, but uh, I've been doing a lot of the fly twitching fly core, which is a lead core line. And you're twitching a fly from back behind it there for striped bass and largemouth bass. And it's, it's a phenomenal fishery. There's not a lot of people that are doing it at this point, but those that do, uh, they really like it. Wait, run that one more time past me. The whole fly core deal? Fly core, yeah. So you're actually twitching a fly behind lead core. So you're dropping your line back. Say you're metering fish at 20 feet deep. So you're dropping four colors of lead core back because it's about five feet of depth per color. So you got, uh, you know, 40 yards of uh, lead core behind you. And then behind that, you've got about 12 to 15 feet of fluorocarbon leader. And on that, you've got a big fly. I've got my hands open here with about a six-inch Fly, uh, usually it's a big saltwater fly, like a five-aught hook on it, something in like a chartreuse, and you're actually just twitching that. So you're going to take that, you're going to grab the line down from your reel, and you're going to twitch it back towards you. So you're giving it about a two-foot yank of that line, and it's going to make that fly dart in and out, left and right, up and down. And that actually just drives the, uh, like especially up, up in like Silverwood and up at Castaic, but it drives the striped bass crazy. Uh, Gil Perez, one of the sales managers here, turned me on to that technique because one of his buddies does it at Lake Paris quite a bit. 
and it's uh, supposed he, to be a secret, by the way. Yeah, that's true. You just nobody's, put it out. Nobody's talking about it yet. <laughs> yeah, he said, "Dave, I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell me." Yeah, else. <laughs> totally. So, like, Gil and I would go fish the striper derby out in Lake Havasu, and uh, you know, we would just crush the striped bass doing this. A lot of guys out there are cutting up sardine or cutting up anchovy and just buckets of buckets of chum in the water, and they're getting a lot of that schoolie size stuff. But when you're doing this fly core, a lot of times you're getting a lot of those bigger fish that are hanging on the edges or they're down in the mud. You know, it's something that Gil and I want to take around the country. We're going to go take it up to Pyramid Lake and go chase giant cutthroat trout with this technique. I mean, it's it's wicked. Wow. That's unreal. Let's go do it. Yeah, I was going to say, let, let's go. Let's go. I'll go have to go buy a kayak or something. I was going to say, we got to get you a kayak. Yeah. Well, don't you have one for sale? It's for sale. Okay. Interesting. You got free advertising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's for sale. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Yeah. <laughs> Davey, you just got a new kayak too, I think. I did, yeah. I got a, picked up a new Old Town uh, Big Water 132. Awesome kayak. I've you had, like uh, yeah, I've been kayaking for, I've been kayaking probably for 30 years coastally here, and I've had just about every brand. Wow, you're that old. I'm old. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> I, uh, I've, yeah, I fished just about every brand of kayak uh, from our early scramblers, which were you know, a, a very basic kayak to some of the really advanced kayaks, which this particular one is now. And the electronics we have on these things, the bait tanks, they're, uh, you know, it's like a little skiff heading out there. It's it's fun. And it's just you in the water. They come with trolling motors on them now. Yeah, it's cheating, though. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Doug, do, would you ever imagine kayak fishing would be like this extensive years ago? Well, years ago, we actually came out with a kayak rod. Oh, really? But it was a little bit more on the... You know, outer shores, uh, a little bit more off the off the inshore stuff, and it. it I think we we're ahead of our time. Mm-hmm. It, meaning translation didn't sell real well, <laughs> <laughs> but but it was called the Badarka, mm-hmm. and uh, we, you know we sold quite a few in the beginning. But uh, yeah, the inshore fishery, the fishery for kayak fishing has exploded, and not not just even in, in this area, all over the country, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And like Dave said, I mean they're extremely stable uh great platforms to fish off of and and you get a little exercise interesting well with 2023 staring us right in the face and uh wrapping up 2022 and all that stuff any big plans or big things happening on the akuma side for uh, 2023 well you know not really i mean i think that uh we're all Anxious to get out and go to the shows, uh, you know, kind of our mantra as a company is we want to just keep our head down, keep working. You know, we're, you know, we, we did that during COVID and, and, uh, I have to thank a lot of our employees here. They did an awesome job. Uh, you know, we, we had increase in demand, but we also had some constraints and there was a lot of people that came in here that really, in a lot of ways didn't need to come in here, but they came in here and they worked really hard. And so that's, that's always front and center on my mind that I learned a lot during that time. And, and so for us in 2023, we're really just looking forward to just getting back to work and doing it and having fun. Nice. nice. I agree. As I say, one of the big things, you know, we're excited about for 2023 is the return of the Southern California shows, you know, last year, you know, we haven't had the Fred Hall version of the shows for a couple of seasons now. Uh, Bill really did a great show over the last couple of years with the Pacifico Sport Fishing Show, and that show has really taken off and grown, and it's something we're very excited about. And then with Bart, as Doug had mentioned earlier, he's going to have his shows again this year, kicking off with the boat show in January, and then, of course, he's going to have his Del Mar show and Long Beach show. Actually, flip-flop this year, so Long Beach show is going to be... No, right. Yeah. First is Del Mar. First is Del Mar, then Long Beach. So he did flip-flop the shows, but... 
you know, as an industry person, this is our opportunity for all of us to get together and have that camaraderie that we always used to have. Um, just talk about the local fishery, mix it up with the fishermen. And we're going to have three great opportunities to do it this year. And it's something we haven't had for a while. So we're all excited about that. Yeah, People here, are, you know, I don't know if you, anybody really knows, notices or knows this, but you know, we're a little spoiled down here. We got three really good shows. And, and like Dave said, you know, the, having the hall shows come back is awesome. The, uh, the PCS show, is is also a first class, you know, really good show, and they are expanding. And so we've got three really good shows to be able to come, and and CCA is going to be at every one of them. Yep. And we're going to be looking to sign up members, and we're going to be out there talking to everybody, and it'll be it'll be refreshing. You know, hopefully we get the lines back out there, and and, and people waiting to be able to get in. It's almost like back, being back to normal, in a way. Right. And it's, we're going to have show specials at every single one of the shows too. Speaking right. of shows. Can we expect to see anything new at ICAST from Akuma Fish Lab or Soft Steel? That's a really good question. Uh, yeah, of course, we live by new products, and so right. you know we we collaborate uh, with some local guys. Bill Simatel is working with us on uh, on Fish Lab. He's always got some new ideas for you know uh, for new lures. Awesome. Yeah, you know, we've got a variety of new rods and reels coming out every single year. Uh, this last year, we brought out a lot of uh, saltwater spinning stuff. I think on this year, we're looking at some new bait cast stuff. We're looking at you know a variety of new rods coming out. So yeah, we've we're you know R and D is uh, twelve months a year, never stops. But right. we do need you guys to sign this non disclosure agreement. Let me slide it across. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it, we're not coming out with a uh, with a kayak rod though. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Doug, Davey, this has been great. Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. And um, how do we get in contact with you? How do we get our hands on a Gooba product? Head over to okumafishingusa.com. That's our website. Uh, it's got all of our contacts on there as far as, uh, you know, if you want to join the pro staff or if you have any kind of warranty issues, everything's uh, right there on the website. Head over to fishlabtackle.com to check out all the great new baits we have, including that new bio. Uh, flyer wingsuit. That thing is really cool for the big bluefin fishermen, but it's available now in your local retailers. And then Soft Steel USA is the uh, fluorocarbon headquarter right there. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Now, I'd like to thank you guys too. Like I said earlier, you know, the work that you're doing for CCA, the work you're doing for the, for fishing access is phenomenal. And I applaud the, the volunteer time that you put in because that's, you know, that's, that's what it takes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sure. Thank and you. A lot more to come on the CCA front in 2023. I'm sure we'll be talking quite a bit on this whole 30 by 30 deal. Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Well, Darren, great episode. Great uh, being here at Okuma in Ontario. And uh, any last words from you? No, man. It's uh, It was a good episode. I like this one. Yep. Likewise. Likewise. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks really for having us. Thanks. We'll have to do it again for sure. Guys, don't forget to uh, visit us on Instagram at CCA California. Also visit our website at ccacalifornia.org. Become a member at joincca.org. Uh, and uh, that's the best way to really to help us out th through this 30 by 30 deal and uh, all the other issues here in California. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you guys next week. Mm -hmm.